Well, we're running about three minutes behind, but let me tell you this. We have a family of believers that joins us every Sunday morning all across this nation. Amen. There's some that we've heard that's joined us from the UK. Amen. So we want to welcome everyone who is joining us this morning by live stream. <clears throat> the message that God has for this body, you are a part of this body. So this message is for you. Amen. Be turning in your Bibles to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this wonderful day, Lord. I thank you that you have anointed the word of God that's going to come forth out of my mouth. Father God, let the meditations of my heart and the words that I speak fall into the hearts of your people. That those words will produce fruit in their lives, Father God. We do realize, Father God, that we are in the midst of a spiritual warfare. That it's good versus evil on this planet. And Father God, we also know that it's only your word and your grace that will get us through, Father God. So we want to give uh, you all the praise and all the glory. Have your way in this service and in our lives. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. I want us to talk uh, a little bit this morning about how faith responds to the storms and the trials of life. In other words, what does a faith response look like according to God's word? Last week, we uh, uh, did a teaching on spiritual warfare and that we are uh, being attacked by an enemy that is ruthless. He's also cunning and he's deceiving. And he's not going to let up. How many of you know that? Just because you uh, call yourself a Christian. Matter of fact, when you do call yourself a Christian, he's going to turn up the heat. Because see, he's all, he had you when you was in the world. He didn't have to do nothing to attack you out there. But once you give your life to the Lord Jesus Christ, he's going to do everything he can to turn you back to the other side. So we want to see what God wants us to do in these times of trials. So my title of my message this morning is try, uh, From the Trial to Victory. From your trial to your victory. You know, I've been saying this for years now that uh, there's nothing more important in your life than your faith in God or than your faith in His Word especially what we're seeing happen in the world today. And when we talk about faith, uh, we're not only talking about something uh, or we're not talking about something we can't really understand, but we're, uh, that we're talking about something that we fully understand, that God gave every human being when he breathed life into you, he gave you a part of himself. And that uh, part of himself was faith. And we've learned that faith was used to create the worlds, right? Amen. We've also learned that our faith, we use our faith to create our own world. Amen. Amen. So when we talk about faith, we're talking about trust in God. We're talking about trust in his word. And of course, we know from past teachings that our trust in God comes out of what? Our relationship with Him. How many of you know that? Amen. Amen. It comes out of our relationship. I don't have a, if I don't know God and I don't have a relationship with God, how can I say I trust in Him? My wife and I have been married 51 years. Some in here has been married longer, 50, 60. I don't think anybody's been married 70 years, have you? But in those 51 years that we've been married, we've got to know each other. And we trust one another. Sometimes. Amen. I'll just see if you're paying attention. How many of you know you can't trust somebody you don't know? So if you don't know God, how can you trust him? And how can you trust someone or know someone unless you spend some time with him? Yeah, now I'm coming up on your porch. 
Amen. You have to have a relationship with God and you must spend time with him. And when you spend time with God through his word, how many of you know his word will always tell you what you need to know? It is the great, the Bible is the greatest self-help book that's ever been written. And yet we spend billions of dollars on everybody else's idea on how to make it through life. And everybody's got at least one Bible in their house. How many of you know that all those self-help books, and I've read some of them, uh, or read parts of them, all those self-help books, if you really start paying attention, they all based on scripture. So why not just go to the horse's mouth? Why get somebody else's take on you know, their interpretation or their translation of the, what the Bible means. I'd rather spend time with God and his word. Amen. Matter of fact, it is the only book I read as of today. I've had gentlemen in this church say, Pastor, I think you ought to read this book. I say, well, I'll take it and put it in the library. But I'm not going to read but one book, guys. Ladies, I'm not going to read but one book. And it's going to be the Bible. Amen? I go straight to the master. Hallelujah. The more you know about God personally, then the more you will put your faith and your trust in him. And when you put your trust in him, then that's when you start living by faith. In other words, you're living by a trust that is not natural. Amen? You're living by a trust that is only spiritual. You're living by a trust that goes past what you see, what you hear, and what you feel. In other words, you are choosing to be different uh, in your life. You're choosing to trust in the Lord. You see, most people, even Christians, trust more in what they see, what they hear, and what they feel they trust in those things, the natural things, more than they trust in a God that created them and created this universe. And thus, this should not be. And we're making a transformation in this church. How many of you know that? We're being transformed out of the world and the way the world thinks into the kingdom of God's dear son who thinks only according to the word of God. Amen. Some of us are moving a little bit quicker than others, but that's okay. As long as we stay where, right where we're at in the word and keep moving forward with God, can I get an amen? amen. Hallelujah. See, like I said, most people have spent all of their time believing their own human reasoning instead of developing their trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. And that is not a criticism, my brothers and sisters. That is the truth. I used to spend more time in my reasoning, trying to figure things out for myself. Well, isn't there a scripture that says, cast it all on him? Amen. Got one amen, one nod, and a lot of deer in the headlight looks. Now, lest you misunderstand me, all the trials and all the storms and all the pressures of life do not come from God. Amen? Amen. I, 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 of course, we don't want in this church very much, but I hear too many Christians saying, well, God put that on me or God's trying to show me something. No, he's trying to get you in his word and get you trusting in him. No trials comes from the Lord Jesus Christ. James 1 tells us that. Who do they come from? It's okay to say it. He's not in here. <laughs> comes from Satan. Amen. Yeah, everybody had to check him at the door. Amen. He don't come in here. He don't, listen. God, this ain't in my notes, but I'm fixing to help somebody. The devil cannot inhabit the household of anybody that the glory of God is in there. Amen. He can't. 
He won't. And you know one of the reasons he won't? Because there's too many people out there that don't have the glory of God in their house. They still got one foot in the world, one foot out. Yeah, they may be doing the best they can. But listen, how many of you know we can all do better? That we need to quit making excuses and we need to uh, get after it going and go all in for God. Can I get an amen to that? God is wanting to help us through the trials and the pressures of our life. Listen to me. But he can only help us when we put our total 100% trust in him. And this is what faith is all about, my brothers and sisters. If you and I will spend more time building our personal relationship with God, I can promise you he will be there when you need him. He's always been there when Brendan and I have needed him. And trust me, in 51 years, or let's just put it this way, in 26 years that I've been born again, we've needed him a whole lot. Amen. But pastor, you just don't know what I've been going through. Yes, I do. I've been through the same things. Maybe not the exact same thing, but let me tell you something. Everybody goes through the same thing. Trials, temptations, tribulations. Now yours may just be a little bit different than mine, but it don't matter. They're the same. They come from the same person or the same entity. He's not a person. He's a devil. They come from him. Well, you just don't know how bad my problem is. And you're right, I don't. And I don't need to know. But we don't need to be magnifying our problems. Amen. We need to be magnifying the only one who can get us out of our problem. Hallelujah. Listen, you and what you've been doing so far, has it turned it around in your life? You relying on your own understanding? Proverbs 3 tells us not to do that. It says lean not on your own understanding, but in part of your ways acknowledge God, right? Thank you, church. That was mostly the Wednesday night crowd. No, in all your ways acknowledge Him. When you lean on your own understanding, you try to figure things out according to the world and the world's ways, you will lose. You know why? Because the devil is the God of this world. And he will be until Jesus puts him under for the last time. So I'm telling you, as a Christian, you're going to have to start relying on the Lord Jesus Christ. You're going to have to start relying on his word. Amen. Because what you've been doing so far hadn't been working. Amen. See, you and I, my brothers and sisters, must become skillful in exercising our faith so that when the trials do come, when the devil does attack, when he tries, like I said last week, tries to put them thoughts in your head, those wrong thoughts, all thoughts that do not come from God are wrong. And I know that ain't the popular teaching, but it's the truth. Amen. When the trials do come, because we learn to exercise our faith, we can overcome that trial instead of the trial overcoming us. Amen. See, if you're not overcoming your trial right now, it's because you're not exercising your faith. Or you haven't done what it takes to even develop your faith. Man, I'm not getting very many shouts this morning. Are y'all y'all living on the same street this week? Amen. No, you heard it before, right? This is just a summary of what you've heard before. But you know something? Faith cometh by hearing. Amen. Not hearing it once, but hearing it over and over and over again. Amen. So if you haven't overcome your trial 
then you aren't doing what it takes to build your faith. Either way, if you or I aren't overcoming our trials and walking in total victory, it is our fault. It's not God's. It's not your pastor's. It's not your spouse's. If you are not walking in victory, it is your fault. Amen. Man, I might get Brenda get back up here. She at least got y'all excited. Yeah, amen, amen. How many of you in here got the victory? Amen. So really, I'm just strengthening what you already have, right? Amen. Well, that's why you ought to be excited about it. You've moved out of the tormented section and moved into the amen section, praise God. That's where I want to live. I want to live in the amen section. Hallelujah. And I know I keep saying these things because, listen, as we approach these writings in John, there's one thing I want you desperately to understand. I want you to understand who the Apostle John really was. Amen? The Apostle John walked with Jesus probably over 40 years. And in those 40 years, the Apostle John, uh, he suffered through persecution. He suffered through many trials. He suffered through tribulations. I think it was the uh, Emperor Domitian, I think was his name, had John lowered down into a boiling pot of oil just to try to kill him because John wouldn't shut up. John kept preaching the gospel. John kept doing the things that God wanted him to do. God, John kept doing the things that Jesus told him to do. John kept following the Lord Jesus Christ. Many of Christ's followers today get bent out of shape and leave the church if somebody takes their parking place or somebody sits in their chair. Had people in this church when they was baby Christians come to me and say, what do you let them visitors sit in my chair for? You know what my response is? I didn't know your name was on it. Nobody sent me the memo. Amen. The point is, we need to start learning that we are going to go through trial. Jesus said we would. But we will never, everybody say never. never. We will never suffer the trials that the apostles did or the early Christian church did. How many of you would like to to have the Colosseum come back where they threw Christians in the middle of the Colosseum let lions eat them up or let chariots run over them. I'm painting you a picture of why we need to rely on Jesus Christ even in our little bitty trials and tribulations. Amen? But they couldn't kill John. So what'd they do? They exiled him to an isle or an island called Patmos. How many of you ever read that story? Yeah. And they exiled him so the, in hopes that he would rot there in the dungeons or in the workplace of that prison. But how many of you know, even though devil meant for him to rot in that prison, John got a revelation from the Lord Jesus Christ and wrote the whole book, last book of the Bible. How about giving the devil a black eye with that? Amen? Hallelujah. Let me tell you something, church. What the devil means for bad in your life, God will turn it around for his glory. Hallelujah. Now I got to find out where I was before I started letting the Holy Ghost talk. In the end, guess what happened to John? He died of old age in Ephesus. Amen. 
He died of old age, full of joy, full of the glory of God. Hallelujah. My point is, when we read the writings of John, we see a man who experienced tremendous pain and suffering, experienced tremendous trials, and we see him encouraging you and I in our faith. Amen. So let's look at this in 1 John. You there yet? 1 John chapter 5. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And we're going to see John remind us how we can walk in victory. Are you interested in that? 1 John chapter 5, verse number 1. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And everyone who loves him who begot also loves him who is begotten of him. That right there tells me that love goes both ways. And because Jesus loved me first, I need to love everybody else, no matter what. Amen? Amen. I don't know what it tells you. Verse 2. By this we know that we love the children of God. See, I just reemphasize what I just told you. When we love God and keep His what? His commandments. That's not too hard. There's only two of them, right? Y'all had a great opportunity right there and say, no, Pastor, that's wrong. There's a thousand and fifty of them actually in the New Testament. Amen. But the main two is about love, right? Amen. When we love God and keep His commandments, for this is the love of God that we keep His commandments and His commandments are not burdensome. When I first got born again, I thought they were. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world, and this is the victory that overcomes the world, our faith. Everybody say, my faith. Your faith is the victory that overcomes in your world. Amen? Your faith, can your faith overcome my world? No, my faith overcomes my world. Amen? The Amplified in that verse four, you'll put that up there. She's got it up there. She's so quick. It says, for whatever is born of God is victorious over the world. The world in the Greek is Satan and all of his attacks and all of his storms. It's his trials it's the pressures that he puts on you to turn away from God. It's the pressures that he puts on you like we talked about last week to try to get you in divorce court. It's the pressures he puts on you to try to get you depressed where you'll take your own life. That's what the world is. That's what this world's job is. And if you look at the media or you look at any part of what's going on in this world, you would have to agree with me that that's hell coming out in the open. Amen. And it's meant to get you to turn away from God. It says, whatever is born of God. How many of you in here are born of God? Whatever is born of God is victorious over all these things. And then it says, this is the victory that conquers your trials and the pressures of this world, our faith or your faith. So you tell me, what is it that will conquer the issue you may be dealing with this morning? That's right, sister, your faith. What's going to conquer the rest of you's Whatever you're dealing with, your faith. You will not conquer it without faith. I know, I've tried. I told you last week, and I'm not going to reiterate it because my wife really told me, she said, baby, you need to quit talking so much about you and me. 
uh, in our past life because people may misunderstand you think we're still living like that. Like we're still arguing all the time. We're not. But how many of you know it's easier for me to use mine and her example than, I, than it is to, for me to use the word you. The word you normally starts offending people. Because everybody thinks I'm looking at them when I say it. So if I use her and I, I can tell you the stories and all the H-E-double-L we went through in our lives in hopes that you won't have to go through the same thing. Amen? Amen. So, my faith will conquer the issues that arise in my life. And your faith has to conquer the issues in your life. Your faith has to conquer any marital issues you have. Your faith has to conquer any financial issues you may have. Your faith has to conquer any children issues you may have. Your faith has to conquer any job issues, any financial issues. It even has to conquer the health issues that you're going through. Jesus always told those that got healed by him, what did he say? Your faith has made you whole. Amen. So it's mano a mano, guys. It's my faith that's going to get me through, and it's your faith that's going to get you through. Your faith, which is your trust in God's word, will, listen to your pastor, will conquer any issue that comes to your life. Can you say amen? I got three amens. How about the rest of you? You know what the word amen means? So be it unto me. So if you want to have victory over the things in your life, when you hear something, a proclamation of the word of God that says you are victorious, you ought to be shouting, amen, pastor. That's me, even if it isn't. Even if it isn't. Because the Bible says, call those things which be not as though they were. My wife, I've been, uh, I've, I've had some issues in my back here recently. And, and of course, she loves me. And she says, well, how are you feeling today? I'm feeling great. Amen. I'm totally healed. I'm walking in divine health. I'm healed from the top of my head to the soles of my feet. And you know something? It don't matter how I feel. Because I don't go by how I feel. I go by what the Word of God tells me. And I learned a long time ago that 1 Peter 2.24 says, By His stripes I was, past tense, healed. So if I was healed, then I need to be walking in that healing, right? Somebody on the internet say, praise the Lord, pastor, preach it. Amen. Glory to God. The Message Bible, do we have the Message Bible? Praise the Lord. The Message Bible in that verse number four, I really like this, says every God begotten person conquers the world's, conquers the world's ways. The conquering power that brings the world to its knees is your faith. Hallelujah. So what brings that issue down to its knees and causes it to bow to your authority? Your faith. How many of you know every person's got faith? Romans 12, what tells us that? There you go. You know the verse. It's Romans 12, 3. Everybody say Romans 12, 3. Romans 12, 3 says that God has given every born again person a measure of faith. But let me share something with you and I share with it all the time, but it's up to each individual to develop and skillfully use their faith to overcome their trials. Listen, God has already done his part. He's done his part to make you and I more than conquerors in this life. God has weaponized, I like that word. 
God has weaponized our lives with a thing called faith. And if you'll read your Bible, you'll know that there is no greater weapon on this planet than faith. Amen. You see, faith, listen to me now, spent a hundred years building a boat just to save humanity. It was faith that caused a teenager to overcome a, the fear of an entire nation and run at a giant and slay him. Are you running at your giants? Are you running from your giants? Amen. Faith caused another three teenagers to meet a man named Jesus right in the middle of their fiery furnace. Their names were Shadrach, Meshach, and you better let me go. And they put the fear of Almighty God into an entire kingdom, the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar. And he ordered that everybody worship their God because God brought them out. Well, the same faith and the same God will bring you out if you'll just allow him to. And I'm not going to go into the story of those three Hebrew children, but they served their God. They didn't serve themselves. They trusted in him and they trusted in him alone. Everybody else in the kingdom, even all the Jews were falling down to worship the idol that Nebuchadnezzar had made of himself. But these three children, and this is the kind of child of God I want to be, never bowed down to the pressures. And they said, Don't mind, no matter what you do to me, king, our God will bring us out. Hallelujah. And that's the attitude we need to get. Amen. It was the same faith that turned a den of lions into a petting zoo. Amen. It is the same faith that has healed, delivered, and raised people from the dead throughout the history of mankind. And even today with people sitting right here in this congregation or watching by live stream this morning, faith has turned what they thought were mountains in their lives into a pound of rubbish, into a molehill, mountains in the molehills. That's good, isn't it? And he'll do the same for each and every one of us. Amen? But see, they did it by not ever giving up. The three Hebrew children never gave up. Daniel never gave up. David never gave up. Noah never gave up. People were persecuting them. Poor Noah, he spent over 100 years building that boat. Every day, people mocking him, making fun of him. What is that you're building? And he would just say, you better change, it's going to rain. Guess what happened? It rained. <laughs> Hallelujah. And Noah and his family were saved. My wife spoke this morning about you and your household being saved. What are you saying over your family? What are you proclaiming in your life? Are you proclaiming your faith that me and my household will be saved? Amen. They did it all by developing their faith to a point that they only believed God in his word. And they believed that God in his word was far bigger than the problem they faced. You got to get to the point, my brothers and sisters, where you believe God's word is the biggest thing in your life. Not relying on your own understanding, but trusting in the Lord. Can you say amen? And listen, anyone can do this. But it takes time. And it takes more than that. It takes a willingness 
to do the things it takes to grow your faith. We said it earlier, Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. <clears throat> your faith in God, your trust in God, your strength in God comes as you hear God's word. And that when you grow in your relationship to where you can fully trust him. Amen. <clears throat> so on the flip side of that, if you do not read your word, if you do not spend time in prayer getting to know the living God that gave you life, then you will not have the faith that you will need to get you through the trials when they come. And I'm not being negative. <clears throat> I'm just telling you the truth. You got to grow your faith. You got to stay at this thing. Amen. I'm not bragging on me and Brenda. I'm not bragging on the ones in here that I know where your faith is. But let me tell you something. We've been at this for 26 years and I, sometimes I feel so undone. The devil still attacks us. <clears throat> and when he does, I got to practice the same thing I'm telling you to practice. <clears throat> Hallelujah. Be honest with you, he's attacking me right now, getting me to shut up. Trying to get me to shut up. <clears throat> Trying to attack my voice where I can't tell you something. Well, devil, guess what? I ain't falling for it. You're a liar and you've always been a liar. Amen. And I will live and I will proclaim the glory of the Lord in Jesus' name. Jesus said in the last days, my brothers and sisters, that we will suffer trials and storms. But at the same time, he told us that. He, always, he also gave us the faith to overcome the trials and the storms of our life. Can you say amen? <clears throat> however, everybody say however. However, it is possible to possess faith to overcome your trials and not act on it. And if you don't act on your faith, <clears throat> it really don't matter if you have got it. Did you hear me? If you don't act on your faith, it's not going to work. So it really don't matter if you got faith or not. And I've heard many Christians say, yeah, I've got faith, but they never acted on it. <clears throat> but you know what they did do? They talked the problem. They talked the circumstances. They thought it was important to get the circumstances out there so everybody can hear them. Sometimes they say, well, it's so cool, you can pray for me. Well, all you got to do is put it on a prayer request and we'll pray for you. You don't have to get on your telephone. You don't have to get on Facebook or Twitter or any other things and spread your problems all over the world. Don't shout me down now just because I'm preaching on your porch. See, it's possible to possess faith and not act on it and it's not going to work for you. You know why? Because God's word said it. James 2.17, write that down. You don't have to turn there. It says, faith without works slash actions is dead being alone. For example, I've taken a few drinks out of this glass of water. You know why? Because this water right here was put up here for me. And it's mine. And I know it's mine. I'm not being arrogant. I'm going to make a point. I know this water's mine. But just knowing that water's mine does me no good if I don't put action to what I know and take a drink. Our faith is the same way. You can know you have faith and you can tell your pastor you have faith and you can proclaim your faith, but until you put action to your faith, it's not going to work. It's not going to do you any good. It's not going to give you any refreshing. It's not going to give you peace of mind. It's not going to give you anything. How do we act on our word, on our faith? With this. 
What did I just get through saying a few minutes ago? I walk in divine health. When the thoughts in my head was, your back hurts. Well, my back don't hurt. I walk in divine health. I'm not going to believe the lie of the devil, but I got to open my mouth and say something. We talked more about this last week. Go back and listen to that message. If you don't open your mouth and say your faith, it's not going to do you any good. Amen. And that's what happens to many believers. They say they have faith, but they never put action to their faith. Or they never put it to work for them. They have it, but they don't release it. They have it, but they never open their mouth and say anything. They never proclaim it. They don't use it. Why? Two reasons. First, and there's where most of us used to be, a lack of knowledge. We're fixing that this morning. So if you came in here with a lack of knowledge on what you're supposed to be doing with your faith, you're not going to have that lack of knowledge when you leave here. You know why? Hosea 4, 6. Because if you have the knowledge and don't use, use it, the devil will destroy you. Hosea 4, 6, write it down. says, my people are destroyed for a lack of knowledge. You got to get the knowledge and you got to use it. Amen? The second reason, and this is more common, <clears throat> most believers think that just because they're a Christian and say they have faith that God will automatically make things happen for their good. It'd be like me taking that wand that little Caroline had this morning. Everybody think God has that wand that just lit up and he's just going to wave it over you and everything in your life's just going to be better. Or maybe if he waved it over my wife, then everything would be better. Or maybe if he worked, waved it over me, her life would be better. <coughs> there is no one. Tell your neighbor, there is no one. Amen. God cannot make things better in your life without your assistance. He's got to work through your faith. And let me tell you this, those who think that God is going to automatically do something for you, that God is in charge and he's going to automatically do something for you, let me tell you something, 99.9% .9 of the time out of 100 times, it will not happen that way. Amen. You see, the storms... And the trials in my life bring out what's on the inside of me. Did you get that? Your trials, your temptations, the pressures in your life will bring out what's on the inside of you. So let me ask you, what's in there? Is doubt, unbelief, worry, anxiety, depression? Are those the things in your mind and in your heart? Is that what's coming out of your mouth? Or is God's goodness and his grace and his mercy and his peace and his joy down in your heart and that's what's coming out? Hallelujah. Let me share something with you. There's nothing greater on this planet or in the heavens. You know, we wrestle against not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and spiritual wickedness in the high places. Anybody ever heard that scripture? There's nothing on this planet or in the high places of heaven, nothing that the devil can throw at you that is greater than a mustard seed grain of faith. Amen. There's nothing greater than your faith. I want you to say that with me. Say, there's nothing greater than my faith. Now say it like you mean it. Say, there's nothing greater than my faith. Hallelujah. And sometimes you might need to say that till you start believing it. Hallelujah. Amen. So, 
I'm trying to move on down the street, guys, but y'all ain't making it easy on me. Hallelujah. How, about, how many of you want me to turn the corner and go on somebody else's street? <laughs> One young man, he was telling the truth. <laughs> you got your feet up off the ground? Amen. So, what does action faith look like? We're supposed to put action to our faith, right? So what does action faith look like? What does action faith really do? Turn over to 1 Peter chapter 5. Wow, look at that. We went from 1 John 5 to 1 Peter 5. Look at there. 5 must be a good number this morning. Look at this in 1 Peter chapter 5, and we'll start reading with verse number 6. It says, therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. Isn't that amazing? That means put God in our, the forefront of our mind, that we humble ourselves before him and his word, right? Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time. Look at this. Here's a no-brainer. Casting all of your cares upon him, for he cares for you. Notice it says, casting all. Everybody say all. all. Casting all your cares, not part of them, all of them upon him. My brothers and sisters, this is faith in action. Casting all of our cares upon him, for he cares for you. The Amplified in that verse 7 says, cast the whole of your care. Now look at this. All your anxieties, all your worries, all your concerns, once and what? Once and for all. How many of you know once and for all means forever? Once and for all on Him, for He cares for you affectionately and cares about you watchfully. So our responsibility as a child of God is not to try and deal with our own cares ourselves, but to roll all of our cares over on the word or over on the Lord Jesus Christ. And we do that by releasing our faith with faith-filled words. And then listen to this. Make sure you don't cancel your faith by speaking your anxieties. By speaking depression. By speaking your worries. By speaking your ailments. By speaking your concerns. Stay off the phone. Stay off of Twitter. Stay off of Facebook. Quit talking to people about your cares. And while you're at it, quit texting them out too. Well, I'm not saying it out loud, Pastor. Yeah, but you're sending messages out telling everybody how bad you feel or everything that's going on in your life. Worse than that, especially if you're a married couple, you run down to your girlfriend or your, your, the guy you hang out with and you start asking them their opinion. Then you find out they've been divorced five years, five times. They're working on their sixth wife or their sixth husband. Getting awful quiet in here now. We are no, never, never, never to take ungodly counsel. Do not run down to the corner store to try to get marriage counseling. And that basically that's what you're doing when you're going to your friends. Amen. Don't shout me down now. Come on. And for those who are doing this, I won't stay on your front porch much longer. Uh, and I, I touched on this a while ago, but I want to say it again. I've had people come to me and say, well, well yeah, I'm just, I just want to put out a prayer request. Well, let me share with you. Prayer requests are one thing. But broadcasting your problems and your cares and your issues out to your friends and your family cancels. Everybody say cancels. 
cancels your faith. Because when you talk about them, you're caring about them. When you talk about them, you're jerking the cares that you just rolled over on Jesus back over on you. It'd be like me uh, having a load to uh, take on a hunting trip. I'm saying that because I just looked at Bill and he's found a new lease. Be like me loading up a mule with all of everything I needed on that hunting trip. And then right before I struck out for the, for the high country, I took it all off of him and put it right back on my back. Well, I don't want to kill the mule with all this. Now, I know that's not a very good thing to call Jesus a mule. But he cares for you. And he says, cast all your cares upon him. So, and then it says, what? Once and for all. In other words, don't take them back. Don't open your mouth and say what you've already cast on him. How many of you got that? Okay, about five or six hands. You know, I didn't. Next week, some more of you will get it because I'll just say the same thing next week. Because it all has to do with being a doer of the word. We have to do what God tells us to, guys. Amen? Amen. All right. Look at this in verse 8 and 9. And for time's sake, I'm going to read it out of the Amplified. Hallelujah. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8 and 9. It says, be well balanced, temperate, sober of mind, be vigilant and cautious at all times. For that enemy of yours, the devil, roams around like the, a lion roaring in fierce, fierce hunger, seeking someone to seize upon and devour. Withstand him. Be firm in faith. Withstand him and be firm in faith against his onset, his rooted, uh, uh, or being rooted and established and strong, immovable and determined, knowing that, the, look at this, the same identical sufferings are appointed to your brotherhood, the whole body of Christians throughout the world. So everything you're going through, guys, somebody's been through it. Amen? I've been through a lot of what each of you will go through. Maybe you've been through some things that I've... No, I'm not going to say I'm going to go to them. <laughs> Lord, forgive me. Amen. Maybe you've been some things, going, gone through some things that you can help somebody else with. Amen. Notice what he's saying here. He's saying, listen to me. When you cast your cares upon the Lord, watch out for that devil because he's going to try to deceive you and get you to take them back. So withstand him. Be firm in your faith. Be firm in your trust. I'm trusting in God and his word to get me through this trial. I'm trusting in God and his word to see me through this financial crisis. I'm trusting in God and his word to see me through this marriage crisis. I'm trusting in God to open new doors of opportunity. I'm trusting God to get me to the other side of my storm. I'm casting all of my cares upon him. And I choose. Everybody say, I choose. I choose not to focus on all my problems. I choose not to focus on all the bills. I choose not to focus on what I don't have. Instead, I'm choosing to focus on the one that does have. Can you say amen? And I'm going to count, uh, and I'm counting on my faith in Him and Him alone to get me through this situation. That's what we need to be saying. Amen? Casting all of our cares on here. In other words, I'm rooted, I'm grounded, and I'm immovable in my faith. And listen, I will, everybody say, I will. I will get to the other side no matter how long it takes. Amen? Don't give up. And that's the position you too must take, my brothers and sisters, if you want victory in your life. 
You got to be steadfast. You got to be determined. And you must have immovable faith. Are you with me? Now, real quickly. Turn over to Romans 8. And I'm just about done. But I want us to see what Paul has to say about trials and tribulations. Look at this, and if you're not there, just write it down. Look at this in Romans chapter 8, verse number 35. I love this. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I want to pause right there for a minute. He is not talking about separating God's love for us. He's talking about who can separate us from our love toward God. You got that? God will never leave us or nor forsake us. Get that in your head. He will always be there for us. He will always love us. Amen? So it's not talking about uh, who or what can separate His love from us. It's who can separate our love for Him. Get a hold of that. Shall tribulation or distress or maybe persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. I want to tell you right now, I've been in some trials that I felt that way. I mean, you know what I'm talking about, where the trial is just so big. You never think you're going to get through. Notice. Now, let me finish. Yet in all these things, everybody say all these things. We are more than what? Conquerors through him who loved us. Notice through Christ, you are more than the trial. That through Christ, you are more than than the tribulation. Through Christ, you are more than the distress you may be going through. Through Christ, you're more than the persecution you're suffering. It says you are more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Can you say amen? The Amplified says this. It says, who shall ever separate us from Christ's love? Shall suffering and affliction and tribulation or calamity and distress or persecution and hunger, or destitution, or peril, or sword. Even as it is written, for thy sake, we are put to death all day long. We are regarded and counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet amid, we don't talk like that anymore, amid. Yet, when whatever you're going through, okay, yet amid all these things, we are more than conquerors. Now watch this and gain a surpassing victory through him who loved us. My brothers and sisters, and I'll close. But here's one thing I want you to understand. That it's the Christ in you that makes you more than a conqueror. That it's the Christ in you that is the living word that you put on the inside of your heart, in you. It's that word that you put in you that gives you your victory over your trials. It's Christ in us, our hope of glory, the Bible says. It's Christ in us that gives us our victory. Can you say amen? Stand on your feet. Hallelujah. Glory to God. This was just kind of a continuation of last week. I hope you got something out of it. Amen. Uh, we're going to keep we're going to keep talking about our part of the Bible. How many of you know that's important? How many of you know your part of the Bible is important in your life? See, God's already done His part. He sent His Son. His Son hung on a cross, took a terrible beating. And died. And when, it, when he was hanging on that cross, who can tell me the magic words he said? They ain't magic, they're just godly. He said, it is finished. 
He was talking about his part of the situation, his part of the covenant. He said, I'm coming to give you a better covenant. He said, and if you'll do these 1,050 commandments, however long it takes you to get them down, if you'll do them, you will have victory in your life. How many of you want victory? Amen. Well, with every head bowed and every eye closed, you know what the first commandment is? That you love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, and all your spirit. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're in this building this morning, or maybe you're watching my live stream this morning and you've really never submitted yourself or given your whole life to the Lord Jesus Christ, if that's you, with every head bowed and every eye closed, just slip up a hand and put it right back down. God sees those hands. God sees all those hands at home. Repeat this prayer with me. Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word. And your word says that if I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is your son and I will confess him with my, uh, with my mouth as my Lord and Savior, I will be saved. So right now, I confess Jesus is my Lord, he's my Savior, and he's my King. Jesus, come in my heart and finish the work that God started 6,000 years ago. Create in me the man or the woman that God wants me to be. In your precious name I pray. Amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a clap offering. Hallelujah. The last thing we always say is we serve a miracle working God and you, everybody point at somebody and say you. You are the next in line for your miracle. You are dismissed in Jesus' name.